Let's welcome Ryan, okay? Is it all right if I get a little undignified tonight? Even if you didn't give me permission, I think I still will get a little undignified. One of the things that the Lord has been speaking to me recently, and, and I'm not really good at talking about myself. I'm Ryan. It's my wife, Kirsten. There you go. It's a good introduction to who we are. I just love to just dive right into what the Lord has put on my heart. And One of the things that the Lord spoke to me to speak over you guys tonight, and it's something that I've heard before, but he won't let me alone with it, and is your purpose doesn't need permission. Because if anything, your purpose, which is your function, is actually heaven's permission through grace. Your purpose, your function is actually grace, grace granting you permission to go and be everything that you see in the life of Christ. Because in the life of Christ, he reveals to you the passion of God, the desire of God, and the function of heaven. And what's amazing is grace doesn't just let you in on what God desires. Grace actually empowers you and gives you permission to become what you behold. And so your permission does not, watch, your purpose does not need, your function does not need any earthly permission. Watch. You don't, watch. You need to give yourself permission to get undignified, to just pull off the restraints of man, pull off the things that have been holding you back from what God is calling you to. And it is a season for us to step into the things that we have been admiring. It is a season for us to step into and pursue the things that we have been admiring from afar. It is time that we stop being a Moses and stand on the mountain and admire the promised land. And it's time that we rise up and become a Joshua and go and possess it. And I really believe there's a lot of people in the body of Christ who's their Moseses and they're standing and they're, they're, they're admiring from afar the activity of heaven. But God says grace will let you in on what heaven's up to. But grace also gives you the permission to function and to step into what you behold. And I really believe that God is calling us to be Joshua's in this season where we stop admiring the promised land and we actually go and we possess it. I believe this is a season that we, like never before, we strip off the restraints of man and we pursue the things of God. This is a season that I believe that God is looking for David to become undignified. And I really believe that the Lord is speaking and releasing over the body of Christ that he's reintroducing David's dance, so to speak, is what I heard this evening. God is reintroducing to the body of Christ that undignified, radical dance that David danced before the ark, before for God. He didn't care about the people. He didn't even care about his wife. He just got undignified before the Lord. Man was not going to restrain him. Man was not going to hold him back. Circumstances wasn't going to hold him back because he got the Ark of the Covenant back and he says, I am going to strip myself of these restraints and this fear and this insecurity and the fear of embarrassment and I'm going to strip myself of hesitation and I'm just going to get undignified 
undignified before the Lord. And I believe this is a season for us just to get undignified before the Lord where we cast off the restraints that men have tried to put on us. We cast off the restraints and limitations that we have put on ourselves. And this is a time that we go and possess the things that we've talked about and admired. This is a season that we get so stirred up in with inside of us that we go after the things of the Lord. It is time that we stop talking about the things of God and it's time that we become the things of God. Grace will give you permission. Watch this. Grace will give your perspective a permission. Watch. Grace will give your perspective a view from the mountain, but grace also gives you the permission to overcome your foes that's holding back holding you back from your promise, and grace will empower you to conquer those things that are holding you back from your promise. But grace opens up the door and says, come on in, because I don't want you just to admire. I don't want you to just seek and applaud what God is doing in others. I want you to have this yearning and desire to step into the things that you see. This is not a season to be a Moses on the mountaintop admiring from afar what God says you can be a part of and become one with. This is a season to be a Joshua where you not only lead yourself but others into the promise. And I really believe... That God is just, man, he is reintroducing David's dance. He's reintroducing that undignified nature in the body of Christ. And it's available for all. And it's permission, man. Watch, God, your purpose is to be undignified. Your function is to not be controlled or manipulated or controlled by the things of this world. You are to be undone, unloosed, and undignified in the Lord. Come on. And I really believe that God is releasing the spirit of David, the dance of David upon the body of Christ once again. And it's available to all of those who are willing to not admire it, but to step in in the dance with him. God is looking for a people that are like David, who, man, get undignified before the Lord. And his fears and hesitations, watch, David's fears and hesitations didn't hold him back. It didn't matter how big the obstacle, he always knew God was bigger. Even when he messed up, and, and he messed up big time, and we know the hole that he dug for himself, he always turned back to the heart of God, and the heart of God always saved and redeemed and restored him. David was able to do what he did because he didn't allow the fear of failure to hold him. He allowed the love of God that gave him the permission to fail, possess him. He didn't allow the fear of failure to hold him. He allowed the passion and the grace of God that gave him permission, gave him access to try, to taste, to see, and to become the things that he beheld. And he was a man that was after God's heart, and he didn't get it right, but he constantly turned back to the heart of God, and God redeemed, and God restored. He didn't allow the fear of failure to become a restraint, because he knew what God was calling him to was forged out of God's love for him. And he knew, before Paul even wrote it, that God couldn't fail him. Even though he failed multiple times, he knew it didn't matter how many times he failed God, God would never fail him. No matter how many times David stepped out of who he wasn't, God remained who he was and loved and forgave him. He was possessed with the passion of, 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 of permission. 
I don't know what about you, but I want to be possessed with a passion because of permission. God wants to put, fill you up with passion because you behold his permission. But not a passion that you admire from afar what he has for you. Like, God, that's really good. I applaud what you applaud. Yay. No. You allow his permission to possess you with this passion. Where you say, no matter what, I am pursuing this thing. I'm stepping into this thing. I'm going to walk out this thing. And I'm not going to allow the fear of failure to hold me back. Because God says, I give you permission to make mistakes. But keep pursuing me. I'll forgive your failures. I'll forgive your mistakes. They don't even have to be hurdles, man. I forgive it and still grant you permission to step into the chamber that was meant for those who were the well done and good faithful servants. Isn't that amazing that no matter how many times you mess up, when you confess your sin, First uh, John 1.9 says, you have this advocate with the Father that if you sin, you can confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then he looks at you righteous and he looks at you and says, wow, my good and faithful servant. And what the enemy does is he jumps on your shoulder and tries to remind you of how unfaithful you were when God just sees you as a faithful servant, a man after God's heart. Because no matter how many times you messed up and made mistakes and stepped out of who you were created to be, you turned back to God and he washed you clean of what's not you and he re-robed who you really are upon yourself, upon you. And he sees you righteous and blameless, man. And too many times we don't want to fail God and we don't want to make mistakes and we don't want to be. And so we hold ourselves back when God has given us permission to step in. And I really believe this is a season that God is looking for people like David who are willing to get undignified. Who aren't afraid of failure. They're not, a, they're not held back or restrained by people. They're not held back by the fear of failure. They're not held back by even their sin. Because their sin doesn't even exist. When you confess it, he forgives you. And he now gives you permission to step back into the things that he prepared for his well done and good and faithful servants. <laughs> And God is looking for people who are like David that say, you know what, God? I, it doesn't matter how big the giant is. I still believe that you're a big God. And I am destined to the throne. And I will confront the thing that is holding me back from the throne. Because, Father, I believe in the throne. And I'm not going to be overwhelmed with fear of the thing that's holding me back from my throne. But I'm going to be so in faith that I'm going to overcome this giant because I'm destined to the throne. That is the people that God is looking for. People that won't retreat when something gets big. But a person that will confront the thing that is big because they they have a perspective that has been stretched to where they realize God is bigger. God is looking for Davids in this hour that are not going to be held back by restraint, but they're undignified and crazy that it will bring them not only before the ark to dance out of their clothes, but they, a people that become so passionate for God, a people that function in who they are called purpose, that they do it undignified with no restraints. And if there's any restraint, it's the restraint of the Lord. Pulling them into their future. Pulling them into their destiny. And it doesn't matter how big the giant is and how many brothers he has. He's, going, he's possessed with purpose. He's po possessed with per per uh, permission. He's possessed with passion. And he's you know, like, like possessed with this vision that says, you know what? This giant might be bigger, but he's not bigger than the purpose that's on my life. And I'm going to overcome this giant because this giant didn't come from God. And if this giant didn't come from God, it doesn't have 
have the allowance. It doesn't have the permission to prosper. It doesn't matter how big his sword or spear is. It will not prosper. And I believe we're in a time and an hour in this place where God is calling us to thrones, man. And he's calling us to places. And if anything, that sh- his promise, the thing he's calling us to, should be the restraint of the Lord. Should be the thing that holds and binds us, man. With this passion where come hell or high water, we're pursuing the thing that is on the heart of God. And it doesn't matter how big the giants get, we will not compromise what we're destined and called to do. Yes, I want to know what I'm called to do. And yes, there's so much passion that's stirred when I'm, I realize I have permission to possess the throne. But man, I'm going to reason in my heart in this season that I am going to possess with my feet what's on the heart of God. And no matter what is coming against me, I'm going to stand my ground and not be moved, not be shooken, not be shaken. Because I have a purpose and my hope is attached to purpose. My hope is, 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 is attached to conquering and overcoming whatever comes my way that's holding me back from my purpose. That's where my hope is. My hope isn't in failure. My hope is in love and God can never fail me. So every purpose and plan that he has for me, the things he's promised me, are forged out of a love that cannot fail. And I have this passion that is inside of me to where I'm going to become so undignified before the Lord. Because I'd rather be undignified than compromised. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in compromise. I want to live being undignified before the Lord. Where I understand and realize the purpose that God has called me to. And it's grace that reveals to me my identity. Reveals to me my purpose. But then it's grace that gives me the, the, the permission to function in what I see, to become what I see. And of course, there's going to be opposition. The assignment of hell is out to try to stop the assignment of God. And the only one that has the ability to delay the purpose of God in your life is you. Do you know you're the main contributor to the delay of your breakthrough? And I really believe that God wants a passion to possess his people that stirs something up on the inside of us that no matter what we say, Father, you, here I am, you come and you send me. And sure, there's going to be things that come your way, but you need to be still and see the salvation of your Lord. Not to be moved and not to retreat, but to advance and to move forward. Because you are, you are possessed with a promise that points to your purpose. Your watch. Promises will always point to your purpose. Purpose always points to your function. And your function always points to the permission that heaven has given you through grace to come and partake. I don't know if I can remember, but watch. Let me say it this way. Because I forget. No, it was real good. Sounded really good the first time I forgot it. But anyways, get the CD, right? But the promises of God point to your purpose. Your purpose points to your function. And your function points to the permission that God has given you to step into what you see through the promise. And God is looking for a people that are that ark, man, that possesses the presence of God, the spirit of God, the promises of God, to where you aren't living in 
being, you're not living in a life of compromise. You're living a life being undignified before the Lord, not restrained by the cares or the fears or insecurities that fall on men that aren't possessed by God. But you are literally in the place where you are overwhelmed with this passion for him first and what he's laid out before you that you are going to pursue it with hope and your hope is going to tie a rope around that bad boy and you're going to pull yourself in and sure there's going to be obstacles and sure there's going to be circumstances but just like when David's clothes got in his way God says just dance out of them God says I am introducing David's dance in the church again where people get so undignified before the Lord that the things that are hindering your purpose just fall off. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good dance when you dance and your clothes come off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if David purposely pulled them off or they just fell off. But can I tell you something? Anything that hinders freedom must come off. Because whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. And God is looking for a people that say, God, yes, this thing is big. Yes, this thing is crazy. But I'm just, like, and I don't even understand the whole plan, God. But I choose to cast my care and come and follow you. Do you know in Mark chapter 1, I believe it is, God looks at disciples that are mending their nets. And he says, hey, let down your net. Let go of your nets and come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Can I tell you something? He gave them a command that they were to be faithful to. But then he gave them a promise that God would be faithful to. Can I tell you something? God's command is your function. The command that you are to be faithful to is to steward your purpose with action. The command of the Lord for the New Testament church is for you to be faithful to the command that God puts on your life. And the command that God puts on your life is your purpose. And we already know your purpose is your function. So God's, the command of the Lord is your function. And when you are faithful to operate in what, by faith, he's called you to, God will always be faithful and pour out blessing. God will always be faithful to those who are faithful to their function, their purpose, their calling. That no matter what comes their way, no matter what makes them question God, like whatever comes their way and, and whatever makes them sometimes question God, God wants you to have so much faith in Him that you'll overcome this thing because God says, I didn't call you just to overcome, I called you to become something. And God says the mandate to become something is what pulls you out of the thing that's trying to overtake you and conquer you. And so overcomers are those who have a passion to become what God says you can become. And the blessing that God gives you when you're obedient to your purpose and your calling and that is to be a son first God will lavish his blessings upon you and pour out on you things that you don't understand but you have a peace that surpasses all understanding that God will do what he says he's going to do because he's not a God that he should lie and he's not a God who fails a peace that surpasses all understanding is when you don't understand but you still choose him a peace that surpasses understanding is when you are so caught up in who he is that everything that it seems logical doesn't even restrain you or pull you or take you away from the thing that God is calling you to. Because I'd rather have the word of the Lord that becomes a command that stretches and pulls me and breaks the flesh than to hold 
on to something of the flesh and always be in bondage. I'd rather have a moment of discomfort than a moment of regret. I'd rather have a moment where I say, man, I'm glad I did that, than have a moment that I said, man, I wish I would have done that. God is looking for a people who say, man, come hell or high water, I'm pursuing this thing. Something has stirred something on the inside of me, and I can't hold my actions back. I've got to pursue this thing. And your co- the command of the Lord is the permission of the Lord. Did you get that? The command of God is the permission of heaven. We think the command of heaven is, oh my gosh, because watch, obedience commands the blessing, right? Let down your net, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Command followed by a promise. A command was actually their permission to follow him. The commands of the Lord for the New Testament church is actually your function, not your restriction. Did you hear what I just said? The command of the Lord, and if I could get a sweat ray, maybe Manuel has one, but I need something. My hair gel's getting in my eyes. I thought it was the glory cloud, but it's just my gel going into my eye and I can't see you. I was like, the glory cloud, and it's, it's got to be glue. It's got to be glue. That's what's going into my eye. Something that won't flake would be great. But anyways, uh... That's all right. Let me have one. But watch this. The command of God, right? Oh, look at that. I got a T.D. Jakes towel one coming on. Come on, somebody. I think you use these to clean the bathroom, but that'll be all right. (laughs) They're clean? That's good. They're not going to be after tonight. Well, hey, we'll start selling these, man. Paul's handkerchiefs. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) There's that joy anesthesia I was talking about. (laughs) Do you know what the Lord loves to do? He loves to bring joy on his people when his people are about ready to get a butt whooping. You know why? Because joy is an anesthesia. Joy is a laughing gas before God comes and drills your molar. The joy of the Lord is the anesthesia before the correction. So y'all are laughing right now because you're about ready to get corrected. But anyways. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Oh, Jesus. But watch this. The command of the Lord is your permission to function and who he's called you to be. The command of the Lord is found in the passion of God. And the passion of God is put on display, display through his son. Because his, the father knows for you to have a function, you need to have instruction. For you to know how to function properly, he knows that he has to give you the proper instruction. So the command of the Lord, because Jesus even said, I give you a new command, right? Love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That is all about action and not admiration. I don't honor God because I admire him. I honor God when I surrender to him to become like him. And the command of the Lord is the invite of the Lord. The command of the Lord is the permission of the Lord. The command of the Lord is your function. And your function comes through instruction. And the instruction of the Lord, forged from his passion, is found in the life of Christ. God put on display the new command for the New Testament church. And that is the life that Christ walked. And that's why Jesus says, whatever you see me do, you can do and do even greater. 
But what has happened in the body of Christ is we admire it, but we need to pursue it. Can I tell you something? Jesus lived so undignified and so above the restrictions of culture and custom that he really messed with the religious people because he wasn't listening to them, but he listened to the command and the drive of God, the passion of God. And the passion of God was really for him to put his passion on display. Jesus made visible what God refused to allow be invisible. To reveal to you the passion that the Father has to instruct you in your function because the instruction of your function is the command of God. And whenever you obey the command of God and pursue in faith to become what you see in the life of Christ, which is the instruction of your function, Holy Spirit will empower you. And then guess what? God will unleash blessings and that is these signs will follow them that believe that then makes you a fisher of men do you get what i'm trying to say here but what i think people are doing in the body of christ is they're too busy being entertained when god wants us to be stirred to enter in God doesn't reveal himself to you so that he can just entertain you. He reveals himself to you to stir something up on the inside of you that says, I refuse to tolerate this restraint anymore. I'm going to cast this net down and pursue the things of God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. We automatically think that's distress, anxiety, and fear, and I believe it applies. But what about the things that you care for? What about those things that you actually like really care for, that you really like? And God's like, let it go so you can pursue me and, 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 but, and, and function and, and actually partake and step into. There's where the stretch comes. Do you get what I'm trying to say tonight? We become restricted and we become dignified. Can I tell you something? When you are dignified, you will always forfeit seeing and having a front row seat of God who is undignified. And I don't know about you, but that's when I realize that's when religion is formed. When you become dignified and you just want enough of God to get you through your week. But God says, man, I want to lavish my love upon you and reveal my instruction, which is my command. And my command is the permission to function in what you see in the instruction. And yet we get stretched and we're like, oh my gosh. And we care for ourselves so much or we care for the restraints that keep us comfortable. And I love this because Mark 1, he says, listen, guys, let go of your nets and come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Guess what, y'all? They had to not only let go of their nets, but they had to let go of their salary. They had to let go of their, their security blanket. They had to let go of what made them comfortable. They had to let it go. But what they, watch, they, I think it's crazy. First Peter 5, 7, cast your care. Can I tell you something? Later on, he tells the disciples who are fishing, cast your net. God's like, I love you guys so much that sure, you could be happy and, 
and applaud your comfortability, and your comfortability could, could, could babysit you in complacency, and, and you could fish your whole life and, and, and make some money and pay your taxes and have food on the table and be secure and be nice and neat, but I have too much planned for you to see that happen. So I'm going to come in my zeal and my passion and give you a command that's backed up with a promise. This is the time and the season I believe in the body of Christ that God in his zeal, God in his passion is coming to us with an instruction and saying, listen, I love you so much, but the way that seems right is going to create death, even though you're admiring life right now. And there's more that I have for you, but I just... Man, I want my zeal to be contagious where it stirs something up on the inside of you that even though you don't understand it and even though it stretches you and even though you have to leave your security blanket and leave your safety net, cast what you care about that's holding you back from what I care about and then I will lavish on you the things that I care about. Do you get what I'm trying to say tonight? Cast your care, cast your net. Can I tell you something? Sometimes our care that we've got to cast is the thing that we might care for more. That we might care for more than the things of God. David's wife could have been his net. Could have been his care. Well, I care for my wife's reputation, and I want to be able to sleep in bed tonight, not on the couch. And she makes really good food, and if I mess up here, she probably won't cook me dinner. And, 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 and we're married, you know, we have a covenant, and that stuff's fun too. So we better, you know, be good, because if not, then, then, then I'm sleeping on the couch just dreaming of what I could have if I was in the bed. So I better be good. So I could see David, if that was his net and that was his care... Ooh, and all these starts, thought, thoughts start coming and he cares for it then more than the, the Lord And alright well I'm just going to go back to what's safe happy wife happy life you know so I'm just going to sit here and hey babe you're awesome you know what I mean Manuel's my wife right now up in the roof making fun of me being undignified so I'm like baby I love you so I'm just going to sit here I'm being good you know I'm doing the David thing you know not dancing you know what I mean but no, he said, you know what? I don't care if I have to sleep on the couch. I don't care if she divorces me. I am casting this care, the thing that I once cared for that could have held me back from God. I'm letting this go, and I'm coming and following him. Jesus says, if you desire to come after me, you must first deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Get undignified, church, man. God is wanting to... St- God has a place for the holy discontentment of his church, and it's a place called being undignified. You get discontent because you are holding on and mending nets when you're supposed to cast your care and go and follow him. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, like, like they got undignified in that moment in Mark when he said, hey, let go of your nets and come follow me. I don't know about you, but I still don't even fully comprehend being fishers of men and what that really, really, really means. I know it's evangelism and winning souls. Absolutely. But man, they left so much more. But yet, not really, because what they left paled in comparison to what they were going to receive. And their desire for him stirred up something inside of them where they broke up with what they were tolerating, and they went and they followed him. 
What if one of the disciples that were called to let go of their nets, their salary, their income, their safety net, their, their safety blank, what if one of them would have thought about their family enough to say, I care for that way much, way more, and I'd rather be dignified and complacent than make my family uncomfortable. Sometimes when you pursue the things of the Lord, it's going to make you uncomfortable because you have to leave room for Holy Spirit to comfort you. You gotta, how many of you know like that whole like Catholic church thing, like when you're on the dance floor, leave room for the Holy Spirit? Can I tell you something? When you pursue your purpose, you have to leave room for the Holy Spirit or you're going to be overwhelmed and consumed with fear and you're going to retreat rather than advance. God's plans, the leading of the Holy Spirit will always cause you to step into places where you have to fully be dependent on the Spirit. That's why Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, because he had to fully depend on the Spirit of God to bring him through where it looked like God wasn't around. But a lot of times we're like, the wilderness is too scary, and I'm just going to hold on to my care. The things I care for, I'm just going to babysit it and let it babysit me in complacency. And I'm just going to be happy right where I'm at. But God is looking for people that have counted the cost. And say, you know what, Jesus, you are more worth it than the things that I've just counted. And I willingly let those things go. I willingly laid my selfishness and my fears and my hesitation. And I cast my net. I cast what I care upon you. Because I care more for you and my future and my purpose and what you're calling me to. I care for that more that I willingly let go of this because I'm going to pursue that. Uh, this is good, and some of it will come with me, but I'm not going to allow this to hold me back from that. Yeah. And you know what I think is awesome? A lot of times, not, like, with, with, God won't let the brook dry up and the raven stop giving you food. Sometimes it's when you're in the peak of the food and just the water's flowing that God says, move on. And it's when you watch, then what happens is you start becoming complacent with abundance and you start tolerating what God is calling you to, even to a place of ignoring it because you're just so caught up in yourself and you like getting fat by the brook when God says, come on, let's minister to the widow. No, I'm good right here. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm happy right here. It's fun. It's comfortable right here. That's hard. That's scary. I care more about this. Cast your care. I think when he says cast your care, I think every care that you have about your future, you should cast. And he'll reveal how much he's in your future. But I also believe that we need to cast, let go of the things that are holding us back from our future. Because God is tired of us being a Moses that dies with potential not fulfilled. When he says, I have raised up a, Jesh, a Joshua generation to be the ones to possess their potential, to function and to operate in their purpose, to operate in my command. And when they operate in my command by just being what I've instructed them to be through the life of Christ, and that's my command to begin with, I'm going to be like faithful in lavishing them with my promise, my provision, my blessing. Your obedience puts you in, your obedience puts you in position 
to receive the things that God's promised you that he'd give to those who are faithful and obedient. But a lot of times what happens, and I'm going to wind down here, but a lot of times what happens is we've counted the cost. And we'd rather be dignified. And God, I, I just, you're only where you are today because you pushed yesterday. You're only going to be where God wants you to be in your future if you choose to press and to seek and to be obedient today. Well, I thought God freely gives. He does. But he also wants to empower the doer. Because the greatest thing that he has given outside of salvation, which is still the salvation of the Lord, the help of God, is his spirit. And his spirit empowers you to see, but it empowers you to be. Don't just be a, James 1.23, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. Holy Spirit empowers the one who's willing to do. And when you are stretched, you step into your fruitfulness. When you're challenged and, and, and he breaks you with the burden of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want the burden of the Lord to burn so bright in me. That it's like fire shot up in my bones that I can't hold it back. I must release myself and I must release what the Lord has conceived in me. Do you get this tonight? Like, God wants us to say, yeah, you care about those things, but are you willing to let go of those things? You've counted the, God is looking for a people who have counted the cost and who are willing to just get undignified and crazy before the Lord, man. And it says, I don't care if I look like a fool. I don't care if people think I'm crazy and I lost my mind. If anything, when people say you've lost your mind, that's actually when you found the mind of Christ. Because people mocked the way Jesus thought. But he was willing to be undignified before the Lord. I don't know about you, but I really fear that the body of Christ understands and has realized and has found their function. Or I'm sorry, has, has found and understands their identity, but they have lost the desire to become and to do and to be what they see. God, just let me see more because I like being entertained. Feed me with entertainment. And God says, when is what I feed you going to stir up you enough to where you say, God, man, I'm no longer going to be dignified. I'm no longer going to tolerate the restraints that are holding me back from you. But this year, right now, today, I'm going to pursue what I put off tomorrow to do. Some of you have been praying, God, what do you want me to do? And he says, it's the things that you have been putting off to do. <laughs> Give me more to do, God. And God's like, I can't trust you to do more because you're not doing the little that I gave you. God says, you've cared about the nets that can only give you a certain sustenance. But I'm looking for a people that are willing to let go of what they really care about. To pursue the one they really love. And that's God. Where we get so undignified that man our care, our net. Is it what is our wife going to think? Or what's my husband going to think? Or what's my kids going to think? It doesn't matter what they think. Because the way they think won't transform you. It will just bind you. They... They think they have your best interest at heart, but really all they're doing is holding you back from the interest of God. 
Sometimes we settle for logic, logic because we have things that we are babysitting in our past. We're trying to pacify it. We're trying to, to support it. And God says, I, there's things you can't carry into your new season. So why are you trying to babysit the old? I'm trying to stir you up with the new thing. To say, you know what, I shake off the restraints of the world. And I'm going to be restrained. I'm going to be bridled. I'm going to be harnessed of the Lord. And I'm going to wrap myself around the thing that God has called me to. And I'm going to allow it to pull me in. And I'm going to have hope. And that hope's going to pull me in to the things of the Lord. And the memory stones that I have of what God has done in my past will push me. But the things that God has for me will pull me. You know what God's doing this season? He's pulling and he's pushing. God says, I'm pushing you and I'm pulling you. What I've done is motivating you towards what, I've, what I want to do. And stop worrying about what other people think because the way other people think is going to bind you. And it's going to hold you back from what I think that will change and transform you. And the Lord is looking for a people that don't care. They have the ark of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is set before them like the ark was before David. And it causes us to get so undignified because we're stirred. We're stirred. We're moved. We might be people that are stretched. We might be people that feel like there's this, this, this pressing and this stretching going on right now. But God says when you are stretched, I am able to actually bring fruitfulness to you. Because when I stretch you and challenge you with the instruction of the Lord, when I challenge and instruct you with the command of heaven, he says, Ryan, it is actually me expanding your tent pegs in your life and heart and mind so that I can do a new work and I can do a bigger work and I can do a greater thing that's going to create greater fruit. I'm going to prune you by stretching you so that I can do more in you and more through you. I was like, I want to do more in you because I want to do more through you. And God says, today I want you to realize I want to be your blacksmith. I want to be your potter. God says, I want to be your carpenter. And God says, I want to be your stone worker. He wants to chisel things. He wants to sand things. He wants to mold things. He wants to break things. says in Corinthians, I forget the chapter and the verse, and if it's first or second, but it talks about treasures being in hidden vessels, earthly vessels. Can I tell you something? God wants to break the vessel so the treasure can come out. So God wants to break uh, people who are undignified or broken people, people that are broken because of the weight and the mercy and the power and the passion of God. The burden of the Lord is the passion of God received by men. The passion of God to set men free should become the men's burden. To see themselves free and to see others free. And I believe God is wanting to birth a burden in the body of Christ to where we were so stirred and we are so moved that we say, God, I'm going to become undignified like David before you and I'm going to allow you to reintroduce David's dance in my life and I'm going to get a whole bunch of people on the dance floor. God is looking for people that care less about hell and care more about heaven. Do you hear what I just said? Because some 
times our cares are the things like worries, fears, anxieties. Remember how I said earlier, your cares, cast your cares, cast your nets. There's something to that. Let down your nets. Come follow me. Cast the things you care about on me and pursue me because those things that you have counted pale in comparison to what I'm calling you to. Can I tell you something? Sometimes the cares is what holds you back. The hesitation, the fear, the what if, this is big, this is hard, this stretches me. Isaiah 54 talks about God expanding the tent pegs. But can I tell you something? God can't expand what you're not willing to have stretched. And the reason you've been experiencing stretching, you think it's from hell, some of it might be from God. I'm just saying, man. Listen, could you said that God wants to give you a new wine skin because God says there's a new wine that I'm pouring that you're going to carry to the nations. But God says, I have to first do something in you that births a burden for the nations in you. But I first have to do a work in you to change the wine skin so that you can actually contain and hold on to the new wine that I'm pouring. Do you get what I'm saying? What God's saying, because this is so God right now. It's not my notes. So take it up with him later. You laughed, and now it's just, bah, bah. God's just like, bah, bah. And some of you, man, you just got to say, may I have another? Because like God just wants to correct some things and break some things off of you. Some of the stretching that you've been experiencing isn't from the devil. The stretching that is happening is God doing something in you so that you can actually receive the new thing you've been begging for. God's like, I want to, because there's people that are saying, God, I want a new thing. I want a new thing. And God's like, okay, let me stretch you and do a new thing in you. No, 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 no. Just do a new thing around me. And God says, I can't do a new thing around you until you're willing to let me through surrender do a new thing in you. Because watch this, the thing that happens around you is just the byproduct of what is happening in you. So God says, if I can change what's happening inside a chip, I will then lead chip to a nation and I will change the atmosphere around him because he first left me do something in him. And he's undignified, not restrained by man. He's undignified enough to say, hey, God, send me. It might be crazy. I don't understand it. But I let go of the net that I care about, and I come and follow you. Man, I feel it must be a T.D. Jake's anointing right now. Just here, 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 here. Can I tell you something? We want that message. Get ready, get ready, get ready. And God's like, okay, bride, prepare yourself. I want to do a new thing, but you got to let me be your carpenter, your blacksmith. You need to let me be the one that just gets there and pulls and stretches you because that's when fruitfulness comes, when you allow the Lord to stretch you, to burn you, to break you, so that the treasures he's put in you come out, and it comes out undignified and uncontrolled. God is looking for a people that are not controlled by customs or not controlled by the culture of this age. But he is looking for a people that say, God, here I am. Send me into the harvest to reap a harvest by manifesting the things of heaven wherever I go. And even though people might think I'm crazy, I cast that care upon you. And I'm just going to keep following you because I desire you above counting the cost. I've counted the cost and I still desire you more. That's the people that God's looking for. The ones who are undignified. 
God. The ones who are passionate. The ones that say, God, oh, oh, pick me. Because no one else is. Oh, oh, I'll do it. It's crazy. It's scary. Everyone else is shaking in their armor. But come and send me. I got five smooth stones in a sling. And you on my side. Send me. What does it look like? To just have, be possessed with the truth that you know it's possible. That you're not held back by the fear of it being impossible. Or I'm incapable. Or I don't have the ability to. What does it look like to be so full with the truth of God. That you become unhinged. That you just say, God, ooh, ooh, send me. I believe it's possible. 1,500 people might think it's impossible. But oh, ooh, send me. I wanna, I'm undignified. I've left go of the nets. I want to follow you. Those are the ones God uses to take down giants. Those are the people that God picks to continue his story. God is looking for people that want to continue his story. God is looking for people that are picked up, like that, that, that want to be a pen, picked up as an instrument in God's hands who's a ready writer. God, I don't care what you write. Just write it in my life. I, I, God, do whatever you want to do. Just make sure I'm a part of it, God. Just use me, God. Like, God's looking for the undignified. And that's why the word that I have for this church right now is God is reintroducing the dance that David danced because of the Ark of the Covenant that went before him. And what was before him was greater than what he was leaving behind him. And he danced undignified before the Lord. And whatever held back and restricted him from dancing, he left it go for the sake of following him. Those are the people God's looking for. What stretches me? Get over yourself. You'll never get in him if you don't get over you. It's just. There's the joy anesthesia coming back in. (laughs) Laughing gas. This is what you should do to your concern, man. Like, like the devil can be really funny. Like, it's just, like, really, devil? Yeah, seriously? Really? The size of your enemy only, watch, the size of your enemy is hinged on your allowance that you give the enemy. Did you hear what I just said? The size of your enemy it's just is literally hinged on the distribution of your allowance to the enemy. Whatever you allow him to do, it's the size that he'll grow to. Laughter has the ability to belittle the enemy. Because the joy that is set before you is in Christ. And you're just overwhelmed and consumed with the joy of God. That you just become so undignified and you care less about the enemy. And what he's doing or what he could do. Because you are possessed with joy. You're possessed with truth. God is looking for a people that are possessed with a revelation that says, oh, oh, I believe it's possible. Because in David's day, there was multitudes of soldiers that thought it was impossible. No matter how skilled they were, they still believed it was impossible. And these were people that knew they were God's children. Can I tell you something? They gave too much allowance to the enemy. And he became so big they, they just got dignified. And all they did was they not only admired their ability, but didn't pursue. But they admired 
the enemy and out of their admiration for the enemy and the distribution of the allowance they gave him and the privilege to wreak havoc in their lives, he became bigger than God and bigger than their purpose. Guys, can I tell you something? I was sharing. I won't go into details. I was sharing with your pastors. They become mom and pop to me. I, I claimed them. I'm sorry. And uh, or they claim me or both. I'm not really sure, but I'll take it. But you don't understand some of the things God's calling me to. That I'm just now learning to be undignified to where I just care less. You know when the Bible says, cast all of your care upon him because he cares for you? If you translate those words care, it means care less. You just care less. You care less, but you just care less. <laughs> I, my, I'm less in my care, but I could care less. <laughs> what does it look like to be so possessed with God, man, but stir something up on the inside of you? I just, I, I, there's less care, and I care less. <laughs> Well, do you understand what the enemy's doing and what it looks like? And this is what logic says, Ryan. Like, it's crazy. Why are you doing that? Why are you giving that net up? That net is comfort. I could care less. Because the restraint, the vision of the Lord has possessed me. One of the things that the Lord, and I'm closing with this, that the Lord spoke to me, if you would read in John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Because I, I just, and when I was in the service today, man, the, the thing that, one of the things the Lord wanted me to challenge the church, we might talk about it more on Sunday, maybe, is hold your position. Stick to what God has promised you. Some of you are looking for a new word because you want to move from the one that hasn't been fulfilled yet. God, just give me a new word because there is too many cares surrounding this one. And I know it's easy to say, less care, care less. That was funny. <laughs> but I really care. So just give me a new word. So I'm overwhelmed by the new word. <laughs> overwhelmed by the new wine. I don't got a new wine skin. Really can't handle it. But just do it, God. Just give me a new word, God. Why? Because you're ignoring the one that hasn't been fulfilled yet. There is things, Pastor, that you have heard. Stop trying to move on from it. Move on from it when you have wisdom, not knowledge. Can I tell you something? Too many people move when they get knowledge. When God says knowledge is just an introduction, it's grace revealing to you your function. Wisdom is the collection of stories that you collect when you actually operate in who God says you are. Grace will reveal to you who you are. Grace gives you the permission to function in who you are. And wisdom is the byproduct of you applying, believing, and actually becoming who he says you are that you now know. You're messing with your brain. And it's good. Sometimes God just wants to make it so overwhelming where you're like, okay, sure, uh-huh, yep, just do it, God. Say like me when I talk to tech people at church. It's just like, oh, yeah, you take this CR cable and you go over here and you rewire it and you push the button. You do. I'm like, yeah, sure, just do it. Just trust you as long as there's video on that screen later. I thank you. Sometimes God will just make it so big, you're like, uh-huh, see. Yeah, mm-hmm. Stupid God. But too many times... 
grace gives us the permission to see. But what we see is to stir up a belief in who we can become. And who we become is now wisdom. And wisdom is a collection of stories and testimonies of you actually becoming because you refuse just to know. Too many people want to know their function, but they don't want to operate. It's kind of like men who don't want to know how to do the laundry machine or the washing machine because then they're accountable to do laundry. But there's too many people in the church that want to know how to do laundry, but they won't pick up a dirty piece of laundry ever. Why know it if you don't believe it and do something? What's judging me? You, that's what maybe you have to have less care about. But one of the things that the Lord was speaking to me, now hear me and I'm finishing, I promise, I'm sorry. When you get drunk, you just lose all track of time. I love how we're preaching something so hard and people are laughing. (laughs) We got to do more. (laughs) Either you're laughing because it's so funny and crazy and out of this world you're not going to do it. Or you're like... I got to do something now. (laughs) Can I tell you something? There's a reason why God gave you ears and feet. To hear and to be so undignified that you go. I want to possess a heart like David. A man that goes after the heart of God. So undignified. Full of the restraint and bridle and harness of the Lord. But not harnessed or held or controlled by man. Or by myself. You know one of the things God said to me. He said, Ryan, I want to stir the complacent tonight. And then he spoke this to me. This is going to hurt. He says, I want to stir the complacent seeker. And I said, what in the world is a complacent seeker because I would think a seeker is a doer and he said nope I want to stir up this, the complacent seeker and I said Lord what in the world is a complacent seeker and this is what a complacent seeker is one who craves to know but rejects and ignores the cravings to become a complacent please don't leave here forgetting this one because this is really good and it's for free Just give me another steak. I'll be good now. A complacent seeker is one who craves to know but rejects and ignores the cravings to become. And a lot of people become satisfied and believe they're doing God a service in seeking him. I'm seeking you, God. I'm doing my service. And he's like, no, all you're doing is being Moses, admiring and dying with your potential. When I want you to seek me to become a Joshua, where you do everything it takes to possess it, to pursue it, to operate in it, and to become it. I didn't speak this word to entertain you in your secret place. I spoke this so I could reward you in the open. wants to stir the heart of the complacent seeker. Never heard this one before. Told you I'd be introducing something new that you probably never heard before. 
I never heard of a complacent seeker before until in my bedroom. At, it's Faith and Rich's fault. There's so much heaven in their home. Step into the bedroom, and I'm like, glory, because of the bed. And then glory, because the Lord's like, I'm stirring the complacent seeker tonight. Do you know one of the things that the Lord gave me as a prophetic word for the church? He's agitating the complacent, and he's agitating the tolerant. Because a complacent seeker tolerates their purpose. They try to ignore the elephant in the room because they care more rather than care less. And they're restrained by the things of their past. They're restrained by man. They're restrained by their own fears. And they are not undignified and they're dignified and they miss out and forfeit a front row seat of seeing God being undignified. So watch this, John chapter 2. John chapter 2, Jesus, and it's in Matthew somewhere too, 21 I think. But Jesus goes and he cleanses the temple. And I love this because he goes in and he flips tables. Before that, he makes a whip, man. He's not playing. He just forms a whip. Before there was whipping nene, it was the whip of Christ, man. And he was whipping and they were nene. And no, no, no. How many times, like, we receive the correction of the Lord, and we're like, nay, Lord, nay, nay. <laughs> Come bear, boy, nay. <laughs> Let me whip you, nay. But it, sorry, sorry. <laughs> now let me whip. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> who, thought, who, who would have thought being whipped would be so much fun? I'm getting beat by the Lord tonight. <laughs> but anyways... Whip, nah, nah, nay, 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 no, 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 can I tell you something, correction is your, is heaven's highest form of celebration, correction is heaven's greatest form of correction, you want words to affirm what you've developed, but God wants to give you words that motivate what you can develop, and that's why he'll correct you, because he's celebrating your future by correcting your present, we get whipped and we're like, no, no, no. But watch this. Jesus comes in with a zeal and a passion. And he comes in and he flips tables and he creates such a mess. There's pigeons and poop and people things and running and people are, ah, and who is this? And whoa, and ah, and, and people, and, and he's whipping. He's just doing his thing. And the disciples in John chapter 2 remember what was written. The zeal of the Lord ate them up. The thing that we need to realize if we are ever to become undignified is we need to be open through surrender to the zeal of the Lord for that prophetic revelation, Jesus Christ, to come in, for Holy Spirit to come in and to create a mess, just to move and to shift and to break and to do a work in you so he can change the atmosphere around you. Tonight, we need to be willing to say, here I am, Lord, send me. But we also need to be willing for the zeal and the passion of the Lord to eat us up. To just consume us. To immerse us. And then the other thing we have to say is, Lord, because watch, Jesus goes into that temple with such zeal. And he says, I refuse to tolerate that thing right there. Can I tell you something? I want the zeal of the Lord to come in and do something about what he doesn't tolerate. That's being undignified. I don't care how messy it gets, just do it. We want revival, but we don't want a mess. God, I want revival. Create a mess in me. 
watch this. Not only do I want the, the, the zeal of the Lord to do a work in me, I want that zeal to eat me up to where I allow him to do a work through me. And I'm unbridled and uncontrolled, and I'm not living in comprom compromise because of man. I've casted the things I once cared about enough to hold back myself from the things of God. I cast that net, and I pursue the things of the Lord fully undignified because I'm fully surrendered. Does this make sense? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I felt like I birthed a baby. Come Sunday, because we're going to talk about breaking. I thought it would happen tonight, but the Lord said, no, talk about this. And this was fun. You might be here tonight, and you might be bridled by fear, harnessed by man, restrained by your own thoughts, complacency, laziness, tolerance. And you're saying, you know what? I want to be open to the zeal of the Lord coming in and making a mess because I want pure revival. Can I tell you something? What Jesus did in that temple for man and his heart and mind, that, was that is revival. We want revival, but we don't want a mess. <laughs> we just want God to celebrate our mess. <laughs> but we don't want a mess. <laughs> Can I tell you something? We have done too much to dirty and to darken things, man. And God just needs... We need to let the zeal of the Lord come in. And I tell you something, in my spirit, I heard the Lord speak this morning, this evening, that he, the spirit of the Lord is breathing upon his people. And that breath is releasing a breaking anointing. Before God breaks things around you, he wants to break things in you. Do you hear what I'm saying? He wants to break things in you. And tonight we got to say, you know what, Lord, tonight I'm not going to be controlled I'm going to cast the things that I care about. I've counted the cost, and God, you're still better. I've counted the cost, and you're still better. I want nothing more but you. I just, I just want you. I just lay these things aside. Zeal of God, come and eat me up. Zeal of God, come and eat me up. Come on, somebody. I want revival, so I want you to make a mess of me, God. <laughs> I want you to come in and break things in me. Pure breakthrough is when he breaks things in you, not around you. <laughs> God wants to break things off of his people tonight to where you have less care and you care less. But God also wants to break, break you, man. Like the spirit of the Lord is just here to break things. Yes, he wants to heal the brokenhearted. He was broken so you could be restored. He was broken so he could minister to the broken. But can I tell you something? He was broken so he could heal, deliver, and set free those that are broken. But he also wants, watch, the burden of the Lord is the passion of God for man. The burden of the Lord is when you capture and you catch the passion of the Lord. That becomes your burden. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be broken under the burden of the Lord. I want to be broken under the instruction and command of God. I want to be so broken that I get so undignified where I say, I don't care the cost, God. I'm going to be faithful to the command, and that's going to position me to see you lavish me with blessings. That's you being faithful to the promise. But God, I want the zeal of the Lord. I want Jesus to come in and to do something with what he doesn't tolerate. And 
then you are also here saying, I want that burden of the Lord. I want that passion of God. That zeal of the Lord that ate Jesus up. I want that zeal to eat me up. If you apply to one of those, you're like, man, you know what? There's something I've been tolerating, God. I want the zeal of the Lord that was in Christ to come into my life right now and break and make a mess and bring revival in my life and do something with what you don't tolerate, God, if that's you, stand up right now. You're like, God, I want revival. I want you to do something in me. And the thing that you do, Lord, is breaking and flipping and removing and whipping, so to speak, the things that you don't tolerate. And God, give me a burden to where I don't tolerate that either. Now, if you're standing or sitting and you're here and you're like, you know what, I just want the zeal. If we can move the pulpit because we need to. If we could just, oh, Jesus. If you're standing or if you're sitting and you're like, I want that zeal to eat me up. Because can I tell you something? The body of Christ is tolerating things that Christ don't celebrate in our region, in our family. And we need that zeal of the Lord not only to do a work in us, but do a work through us where we change the things around us by him first changing something in us. So those who are standing are saying, God, I want revival. I want you to make a mess. I want you to do a work in me. I want to become undignified. But I want to be restrained and bridled by the zeal of the Lord that ate Jesus up. And I want to not only allow things to be done in me, but I want the zeal of the Lord to eat me up where it does something through me. If that's you and you're standing, get up here. If you're sitting and that's you, get up here. And don't do this out of emotion. Do this out of desire. Do this out of being spirit-led. I'd rather you sit at your chair than respond out of emotion. Oh, just saying. If you're getting up here, you're saying, I want to be undignified. I want the zeal of the Lord to do something in me by confronting the thing he doesn't tolerate. And I want the zeal of the Lord to create in me a heart to be undignified like David. Oh. (laughs) I want the zeal of the Lord to break things tonight. I want the zeal of the Lord to heal and restore and Ah, breaker anointing come. Breaker anointing come. The breaker anointing is the zeal of God. (laughs) The breaker anointing is the zeal of God. The breaker anointing is the result of the zeal of God. (laughs) Whoa. You're up here because you want revival, which you're signing up for a mess. Mess me up, God. You're up here saying, mess me up, God. I don't want to be any good tonight because I want to be so rocked in you tonight. (laughs) Let the zeal of the Lord peel you like an onion. (laughs) Remove the layers of hurt. Remove the layers of burden. Remove the layers of lies. Oh, it's a weird word, but I hear this Lord saying, the zeal of the Lord, the zeal of the Lord He's peeling you like an onion by eating the onion. <laughs> Just taking everything that's trying to eat you up. Break us, Lord. Some of you have been stretched because the Lord says, I'm expanding your borders. And for me to expand you, I've got to re- stretch you. 
I've got to stretch you. Will you be undignified and not restrain me? Will you be undignified and let me be me? Will you be undignified and let me be me? Will you be undignified and let me be me? When you let me be me and you, that's when you're undignified. When you let me be you, me in you, that's when you become undignified. When you care less, that's when you become undignified. When you have less care, that's when you become undignified. Cast your care tonight. Cast your care tonight. Cast your care tonight. Some of you have been weeping, but you'll be laughing. Some of you have been weeping, but you'll be laughing. Because you're caring less. You're caring less. You're caring less. And you have less care. Because ah! I've ate the onion. <laughs> You are the apple of my eye and it keeps the devil away. <laughs> How I see you, it's all that matters. Can I become your heart's delight? Can I become your heart's delight? When the Lord becomes your delight, you care less and you have less care. See how God's a builder? I was just building this whole night to say this. Less care, care less. Why? Because you know him and you know your function and Holy Spirit will empower the doer. God says I want to empower the doer because I want believers that are beers, that are not just seers. But God says for me to be me and you, you must be undignified. <laughs> but when you let me be me and you, become undignified that's a good word Lord when you care less and have less care that's when you become undignified so this is what I want you to do man God's up in here someone stand behind her Debbie right now fire of God less care and care less undignified like never before less care Less care and care less. You're going to laugh at the devil like never before. <laughs> God says you, you, when you care less and you have less care, you become so undignified. Less care and care less. Less care and care less. Less care and care less. True. So good. You're just so good. God says this is a season for you to taste and see that I'm good. To taste and see that I'm good. God says for the body of Christ, this is a season to taste and see that I'm good. God is putting laughing gas into the veins of the body of Christ to where you care less and have less care. Where you just laugh and become undignified and be like, yeah, my wife thinks I'm a fool. Yippee! care less and less care God has just got some glory on that words right now less care and care less to cast your care tonight 
Cast your care. This is what we're going to do. Don't get up if you're down. But if you're up, stay up for now. Put your hand in the air. I was in worship, and man, how many of you enjoyed the name tonight, man? The collective worship. But in worship, I just found myself being overtaken by the Lord. And I just started doing this. I didn't even know if I had rhythm or not. And I'm like, I care less and have less care. Because your thoughts don't define me, the Lord does. <laughs> Stop allowing people. Stop caring about the thoughts of people. Care less about the thoughts of people. And put more concern on the thoughts of heaven. But I was in the worship and I was just like, yeah, God, probably look really white right now, but I don't care. And I'm just going like that. And I'm like, Lord, what am I doing? He said, you just casting the cares, man. You're casting your nets. You're casting your nets. You're casting your nets. And I said, okay, Lord, to catch more fish. No, the things that you cared about, the things that held you back from me, you're letting go of, and you have less care, and you care less. And now you're undignified to pursue the thing that I care for, and that's the thing that I put in you to pursue.